right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing-controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures, many of them Republican-controlled. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order Many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you went. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn new wet. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. In fact, for some of those caveats, I'm even going to lift them. Why? Because we are just a couple of days away from Thanksgiving. It is indeed the full-blown holiday season. We've kicked past Halloween. We still have Thanksgiving to go despite the last best efforts to pretend like it doesn't exist anymore. And uh, you know what? I'm going to be taking uh, that holiday off. Not going to be on, but you know what? 
it doesn't really matter anyway because we've kind of moved the Thursday show to Friday nights. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Tap Into The Truth Friday night live broadcast is back. We're going to be doing it on the regular. You can hear it live starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on WCET in Columbia, South Carolina. That's a awesome FM station. If you're in the area, tune in. You'll also be able to hear it on thelastfrequency.com. And if you have the app Tune In, you can look for the Vera Network and you can hear it live there as well. So three different outlets, three different sources, two of which work worldwide. Yes, it's Pretty awesome. You can join us live and you can hop on over into MeWe and look for the Last Frequency group and be part of the chat during the show. So come on aboard. Come hang out with us. Keep Arizona Anti-Hero Company as you guys listen to whatever antics we get up to. Because the live show is a little bit different than the uh, pre-recorded that you often get to hear rebroadcast or get to hear in the podcast. Uh, different energy, a little different interactions, and we're still working on having more guests. All right, so it is Thanksgiving, and I definitely want to wish each and every one of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, for those of you that need a little uh, liquid lubricant to handle some of your relatives that you may be encountering during the holiday season, I might recommend the assistance of some Boone's Bourbon. If it's helpful, not too much. Don't want to go too far to create new issues. Just far enough to help you ignore the insanity. And, you know, maybe that's part of why so many people are trying to skip right past Thanksgiving. It's hard enough to deal with certain family members as it is. You know, the inevitable family member that buys into leftist narratives. Uh, the folks that are arguing right now that perhaps, you know, forgiving student loan debt's a good idea, and it won't harm the economy at all. It'll only help the economy by helping those poor people that are being held back, buried under a mountain of debt, except for the fact that presumably you get your degree and then you become part of the elite as opposed to, you know, those of us who went straight to work, those of us who put family first and, and have struggled, you know, those of us who are currently really feeling the pain of the Biden economy. Uh, we're not getting a whole lot of benefit from that, and it's not going to help the economy. It's going to hurt in, by increasing inflation more. But, you know... Those are the same people that don't understand economics anyway, because as it's been famously said in the past, if socialists understood economics, they wouldn't be socialist. <laughs> anyway, uh, take some time. Enjoy your families as best you can. Uh, enjoy your friends. Uh, enjoy your neighbors. Try to unplug. I mean, seriously, I I'm going to make that effort. After today's broadcast, I'm going to do the necessary uh, emailing of the uh, files for the show so that uh, Doug can get the rebroadcast ready for Wednesday night. And uh, then I'm going to be 
unplugging from the news cycle for a bit because there's really nothing good going on anyway. Nothing good at all. It's all bad. Every bit of it. I looked for some good news. Couldn't find it. Really couldn't find it. Not anything that's national news stories. Now I can find some local stuff that's real good stuff. And for the more local listeners, that might have been worthwhile. But that's not the majority of the audience. So uh, you guys start listening more and become a bigger chunk. I'll start, you know, I'll start uh, offering up a little more for just the local folks. All that being said, what do you say we actually get to some topics? There's plenty to talk about, uh, including the fallout from this shooting in Colorado Springs at the gay bar. Uh, not surprising at all that at this point what we actually know about the shooter is not much. Not much at all. Uh, one of the things that we do know, and I'm not going to mention his name here, you can find it other places. I tend to buy into the philosophy that mass shooters are typically looking for attention, and we could probably go a long way towards stopping mass shootings if we didn't make them famous, didn't give them that attention that they desire. If they come to realize that the next would-be mass shooter realize that they're not going to get the kind of attention that they want, that they're not going to be made famous that it probably would reduce the mass shooting amounts. I'm, I'm speculating here, but based on the information, uh, the desired effects that we tend to get from those that survive the mass shooting events, probably close to 50%. Now, it may be a little less than that. It might be just a touch more. But statistically, uh, without the aid of long a serious scientific study to get a number uh, based on what the folks have said that they were trying to achieve. Uh, I'm thinking that about half of these mass shootings just wouldn't happen if we didn't play the game and made them famous. So we don't know much about the guy other than the fact that he's a grade-A nut job. I I'm sorry not to be sensitive for those people that are struggling with mental illness, but let's face facts, the folks that are struggling with mental illness are the folks that are seeking treatment. They're the folks that are making an effort. They're the folks that are doing better than this guy. This guy didn't struggle with it. He embraced it. So I'm going to be a little insensitive. Class A, grade A, we know that he held his family hostage at one point. You know, he held them hostage at gunpoint, that he threatened them with made-up homemade explosives. We know that he actually changed his name when he was young because of a large amount of bullying that uh, took place. Oh, oh, we do know that his paternal, I think it is, grandfather, was a Republican. So, obviously, obviously, going into a gay club where there was a family-friendly drag show going on at that moment in time, and, and that he has some far-off, living in a different state, uh, relative that happened to be a Republican. Clearly, he's a right-winger, right? We, we know this because that's what everybody said. And when I say everybody, I'm talking about the left mainstream media, of course. 
the legacy folks were all over the place. And of course, we were lectured immediately that the mental illness simply isn't going to cut it. This was from a place of hate. But instead of making the case that this was the action of a lone operator who struggled with mental illness, we have to hear about how it's actually Lauren Bobart's fault, how it's actually Tucker Carlson's fault. Now, these are people that were named by name in some of these, uh, some of these articles and columns that have been written. I believe Ben Shapiro was mentioned once. I think I saw somebody talk about Glenn Beck. Uh, even Sean Hannity got mentioned in one article that I came across. At this point in time, I was just starting to feel bad that I didn't see my name somewhere because I probably say things that are a little closer to edgy than the last three folks that we mentioned in regards to mental illness and, you know, negative things directed at those terrible, horrible gays, which is something you've never actually heard me say. In fact, if you're a long-time listener, you know that I have questioned policies, but I probably question more about the transgender activity than I do homosexuality. And a big part of that is because Generally speaking, most conservatives don't talk about that too much. Ultimately, we don't go around celebrating what is ultimately somebody else's business. You shouldn't try to force somebody who has a genuine and deeply held religious belief into trying to celebrate your choices. Uh, choice being who you've chosen to marry, for example. But at the same time, you have every right to do it. You do you. You be who you are. You are answerable for your own actions. I don't have to answer for you. I'm not in a position to judge, and I typically don't. Not on an individual basis. Now, if you want to have a bunch of activists saying a bunch of crazy things, I'll call you out for that. That's going to be, if you'll take the time to parse through my statements on this show over the years, that's going to be the general message you get, along with a lot of what I tend to think falls into the category of common sense, which is part of why the folks on the left really don't recognize it for what it is, because uh, common sense is something so foreign to most of these folks that push these leftist agendas that it probably would physically hurt them if their brains started working in a fashion where common sense started making sense to them. Now, I still don't recall very many conservatives condemning Bernie Sanders when a pretty clear-cut nut job showed up at the congressional baseball game asking who were the Republicans? Where are the Republicans looking to shoot, nearly killing one of them? I, I don't seem to recall any conservatives blaming anybody other than the person that chose to try to kill people. Because 
unless somebody's actively calling for you to go commit these acts of violence, nobody else is responsible for the acts of violence but the perpetrator. You want to talk about raising the political temperature, escalating the level of tension between the groups? Who's more responsible for raising the tension? The people that are noticing, that are reacting to your efforts to to win a culture war by trying to destroy the culture that made America worth existing in the first place? We notice we occasionally say stuff back. A few, a very, very low number are actually pushing back and trying to, to fight back to, to win the culture war. Now, you think that we're elevating that political temperature because we call you out for what you're doing. When in fact, if you weren't doing it, we wouldn't have anything to call you out on. This vicious little cycle of we see what you're doing, we say something about it, and again, you as a political leftist pushing the agenda, first you deny, you say, oh, no, 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 that's not happening. And then after a while, you finally admit that it's happening, but it's a good thing that it's happening. It's great that it's happening. It's fantastic that we are reading uh, Johnny Has Two Dads uh, to kindergartners at the freaking school library. And not by the librarian, and not by the reading teacher, but by today's guest, uh, <sighs> special reader from the Gentleman's Club. Uh, not the regular Gentleman's Club, but the Gentleman's Gentleman's Club. Uh, ordinarily, he's working the... Uh, the drag show. Yeah, that's right. Drag Queen Story Hour. And you know what? According to some of these articles, blaming the right for this heinous attack, and it is a heinous attack, nobody should be going to a club, regardless of what kind of club it is, and have to worry about being shot to death just because you happen to be there. Wrong place, wrong time. It's not something you should have to worry But First, you deny, oh no, there are no drag queens showing up to public schools and school libraries, or there's no such thing as drag shows for children. This just isn't happening. And, okay, well, now it is happening, but it's a really good thing that it's happening. Because now these children, these young, young children, they're getting the opportunity to see for themselves that the drag queens, they're just people. They're not some icky, human-shaped virus, like those mean, mean conservatives keep trying to tell you they are. Those there Christians over there saying about how they're godless heathens that should be avoided. Uh, they're, they're, just, they're just people. They're good people. They're nice people. They want to be really nice to you, children. It's a good thing we're doing it. And then the next step, of course, when we point out that this is confusing the children, that it's psychologically damaging that level of confusion, uh, which of course is the plan. Yeah, make no mistake, the left knows that is the intention. They are well aware of what the rappers are doing. But what do we see? Then 
We are accused of being the bad guys because we noticed. Well, why are you noticing? Why do you care that we're doing this? Well, maybe because we care about children. Maybe because we care that we already live in a world. These children are already growing up in a world that is confusing enough even when you don't go out of your way to try to make it worse. Maybe we understand that the primary role of adults, especially parents with their own children, is to protect children. That our role as men in a society is to protect our women, our children, our neighbors who are unable to protect themselves. That it is our responsibility to protect our culture, to protect our country, to protect our republic as she was founded. And again, some leftist somewhere, oh yeah, as it was founded as a slave-holding state, yeah, I bet you it. That's not what we're saying. When you hear a conservative say, protect the republic as she was founded, we're talking about the way the Constitution wrote out and specifically stated what the role of the federal government should be. We're talking about what the principles that the nation was founded on are. Not the results, not how close we were to living up to those promises right off the bat, not even how close we are this day, but the principles in an effort to move forward, to get closer to, to try to become a nation that in fact does live up to those promises. That's what we mean when we say our republic has founded. A representational, constitutional, federated republic that has borrowed some aspects of democracy to try and determine who our representatives in that republic will be. That's the extent. We're not a democracy. We are not two wolves and a sheep getting together to decide what to have for dinner. But there's a large number of folks out there right now that would love to make that change. But you know what? Instead of, as the left has gotten so very good at doing, instead of continuing to try to make political hay out of dead bodies, maybe we should actually try looking at the situation for what it is. I've heard a lot of folks complain, well, you know, Colorado's got these red flag laws, and, and this guy clearly, clearly was... Uh, uh, red flagging it everywhere. Why didn't the police do something already? Why didn't they take his guns? Why was this guy able to walk around free? None of that is the story here. That's when, it, when I hear conservatives actually legitimately talking on the fact that red flag laws would have worked here, that makes me very nervous. Because red flag logs are unconstitutional, period. To penalize anyone who has not done anything yet is a bit extreme. And it is just another effort, another backdoor effort, at trying to continue to advance gun control. And every time you let that camel's nose a little further under the tent, it's going to be impossible to boot it back out. But to have conservatives calling for it. Why wasn't it enforced? Why... And then you hear the excuses that all still equal down to, well, you know, it's because we're incompetent. 
It's because this kid was doing something that actually kind of we want to encourage. It, it was destruction of the traditional family unit. We kind of like it. And this is one of those underprivileged folks that needed to be coddled up until the fact that they find out he had a grandfather who happened to be a Republican mayor way back in the day in another freaking state. Ooh, yeah, that's a convenient excuse to blame all conservatives. Let's blame all the Christians. Let's blame all the conservatives. How about we not point blame at anything until we actually know what happened? We're going to be able to find out from this guy what his actual motivations were because he lived. I mean, hat tip, kudos to the uh, former military officer who stepped up and went into full-blown combat training instinct, went over, took the guy's gun away from him, and pistol-whipped him with it, put this guy down because nobody should be walking into any crowded location and just randomly opening fire. It's not a good thing. It shouldn't happen anywhere. Anybody disagrees with that? Oh, well, but Tim, it was a gay club, so that's okay. Anybody that says that kind of thing has got their own problems. That is not a response that is running around in the heads of conservatives or Christians or Republicans or that rare breed that's actually all three. In fact, the more likely you are to circle all three of those into the same group, the more likely you are to not find anybody that's thinking that. Never mind saying it. Clearly, nobody's going to say it out loud. That's a terrible thing to say. But they're not thinking it either. It's not some coded message where we have to play the avoidance game. We don't know much about this kid, except that he changed his name about when he was 15. So, oh, well, where's the, the long-standing uh, social media footprint of a kid his age? Well, it's not there because of the name change. Once you finish tracking this down, like we know the legacy media is going to do, because they want to give him the attention. They want to make this a big deal. They want to try and attack every Republican they can think of. Bobart's just uh, front of the line because she barely squeaked out hanging on to her, uh, her seat in Colorado. She's pro-Second Amendment. She's big time. And I gotta say, I loved it when we had the chance to talk to her a while back when she was first running. Now you can tell how seasoned she was. She came on my show. But she was a great interview, and if you missed it, I hope you'll go back into the archives and track it down. I, if I'd thought about it, I would have looked up the date and uh, given it to you, but I, I'm so sick. I'm sick of the mega legacy media. I'm sick of the Democratic office holders. I'm sick of the leftist agenda pushers not even waiting till bodies are cold before they try to politicize something. And yet, yet, because they think they can make political hay here, and they will even lecture us on how Republicans and conservatives are gaining financial power and political power on the rhetoric of this anti-LGBTQ stuff and yet they're the ones that won't let the bodies get cold, that show no respect to those who died, show no respect to the families that are now in mourning and could use some freaking 
grace from their neighbors, from their fellow countrymen, could use some understanding, could at least, at the very least, use a quiet time to let them mourn. No, 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 we got to immediately go to that. But how much are you hearing about the Virginia's, University of Virginia shooting? Are you hearing much about it at all? I mean, if you really want to be serious about this type of violence, why is that not a big story? I mean, I know why they don't want to talk about it. It doesn't push the narrative. It doesn't fit the story they want to tell. It doesn't help them politically. And inevitably, it comes down to another instance of black-on-black violence, which is something they want to ignore. When you have freaking Mayor Lightfoot from Chicago going on Twitter and talking about how she's so tired, of course she's doing some expletives, of this stuff, using different words, and yet she'll do nothing about stopping the constant berating of violence going on in her own city. Literally the murder capital of the world. I mean, if you want to murder someone, go to Chicago. They'll just think it's another Tuesday. You want to murder a lot of somebodies, uh, go on the weekend. Especially during the summer, when the temperature's up. The, the, it'd be completely indistinguishable. They won't even notice. Just another day ending in Y. But you see, there's no political hay to be made there. There's only the obvious failures of the leftist policies in dealing with it. Alright, uh, that's enough of that. I spent more time on that than I had planned to, but it does really get to me. Uh, you've heard me before. I, I continue to lament the fact that uh, there was a time, not that long ago really, when you at least gave the families time to grieve before you tried to turn something like that into something political. But now it's within minutes, before there's any information, before there's any facts, and what's going to inevitably happen is that if this turns out to be not what they want it to be, a clear and brazen indictment against conservatives and Republicans and Second Amendment right activists. If it's not any of that, it turns out to be some left-leaning loon that just got mad and went to the first place that he saw that there was a lot of people, then uh, guess what's going to happen then? It's going to go away in a hurry, and you're not going to get to hear the retractions. You're not going to get to hear the apologies that are owed because they're not going to be made, you're not going to hear any of the things. You know how I know? It's not only because I'm old enough to remember every other freaking time this has happened, but it's also because when we see something like, I don't know, a certain young man uh, trying to defend himself from attacks uh, on the street during riots, in a certain part of Wisconsin. You know, he, he's there, and this young man is forced to shoot people 
because they're trying to kill him. Clear-cut self-defense. And yet, we continue to hear lies told about this young man rather than an acknowledgement of the truth. We don't hear that he was clearly acting in self-defense. We don't hear that he, in fact, did not murder anyone, that he defended himself. We don't get to hear the fact that uh, he's won lawsuits to this point, but doesn't have a penny from them. In fact, is continuing to be sued now civilly because they expect he's going to collect on his defamation suits. We hear that he murdered black people. None of the people he shot that night were black. We hear that he murdered them in cold blood. And we do not get to hear the truth from the mainstream legacy media and from those that are leftist activist talking heads. They still refuse to acknowledge the truth that occurred. That's not going to change. That's just who these people are. Let's let's take the mid-hour break and let me try to get on to some other topics before I get uh, on that soapbox again. Ladies and gentlemen, stay right where you're at. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. You stay put, too. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Since just after the Revolutionary War, there have been those seeking to kick God and the Bible out of society. In 1844, Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story upheld the use of the Bible as a tool for teaching in government schools. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, in this Vidal versus Gerard case, Mr. Gerard's will permitted the teaching of the Christian faith, just not by members of the clergy. Justice Story's opinion that Gerard's will was not derogatory toward Christianity rested on two determinations. First, a layman was capable of teaching the general principles of Christianity. Second, Gerard's will actually permitted the teaching of the Bible in schools. It was duly noted that the Founding Fathers warned that in order for the United States to become and remain great, her people must be of good moral character. Mr. Gerard clearly understood the importance of teaching students the biblical principles of morality and its general precepts. Whereas can the purest principles of morality be learned so perfectly as from the Bible? Where are benevolence, the love of truth, sobriety, and industry, superior intellectual development, be so powerfully and irresistibly inculcated as in the Bible? I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. 
these stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Have you always wanted to go? Chances are you've had a dream honeymoon destination in mind for years. What if we told you we could get you there? Later in April 2015, we got married in Nashville. So we were trying to figure out what registry to do and then heard about Honey Fund. So we put it on the website and lo and behold, one by one, all of our gifts were fulfilled. Even the fruity drinks for Carmen and the entire Honey Fund. With HoneyFund, the world's most trusted online wedding registry, your honeymoon is our business. With no platform fees, you can set up your custom cash-powered registry page quickly, easily, and budget-friendly. Despite the name, we offer more than just honeymoons. That's right, you can use HoneyFund for wedding funds, a home down payment, charity registry, or any savings goal. Whatever you need to start your marriage right, we're here to ensure your future is bright. We've helped more than a million couples just like you make their dreams come true. Here's how it all works. Step one, create. Using our design tools, you can create a custom Honey Fund page as unique as your love. Whether you create a wish list of experiences or choose a simple donation box, You'll get cash in your bank account for a small processing fee. You can also register for zero-fee gift cards from nearly 200 popular travel, dining, and shopping brands. Step 2. Share. Once you've completed your personal HoneyFund page, share the page with friends, family, and wedding guests. HoneyFund can be your main wedding webpage or link to a wedding website of your choice. And if you're ever stuck... Our five-star customer service team can show you how. Step three, receive. With your unique link, your guests will be able to donate easily, eliminating the hassle of finding a gift and allowing you to take that trip, make that down payment, or do whatever else you've chosen to receive. Unlike other cash registry sites, there's never a fee to guests on HoneyFund. The best part, HoneyFund is free to try. So what are you waiting for? You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Stop dreaming and start your forever journey by setting up your free cash-powered wedding registry today. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. 
Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> Joe Brandon, I agree. Yeah. I mean, he has made clear that uh, 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 lots of uh, walk around the world to ease my trouble. Down up back in you. No, no. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. All right, Joe, you need to put that big stick away. All right, buddy, and stop snipping around here. Uh, you know... Uh, talking about Kyle Rittenhouse <clears throat> just a minute ago, it, it makes me mad about that all over again because it's such a clear thing. It's up there with Nick Sandman, too. The the left and the media, they want to jump to conclusions. They want to attack people. And they still, even after everything that they've said about these kids, what's uh, been proven, proven to be false, they still continue to spread the false narrative. They won't ever let anything go. They just won't. In a similar story, they won't let uh, their hatred of Donald John Trump go. And in a bit of uh, Donald Trump news uh, that broke on Tuesday, time of the live broadcast today actually being Tuesday, it would appear that the Supreme Court, in fact, has cleared the way for Democrats in the House to get their hands on Donald Trump's tax records. Yes, that's right. The Supreme Court said that that they're just going to move forward with this. Now, some of you probably remember that the Democrats in the House have been trying to get a hold of Donald Trump's taxes for a while now. Now, the Supreme Court has denied the request from Trump's legal team that he be permitted to withhold these tax records from the Congressional Committee, which is on the clock now. They're they're trying in this lame duck session to hurry and do whatever it is they think they're going to do before the Republicans take over the House. Now, this request, of course, was presented to Chief Justice John Roberts and did not contain any particular dissents. Roberts had earlier this month blocked the Ways and Means Committee from obtaining Trump's taxes while the Supreme Court considered the request. Quoting here from the brief, uh, the application for stay of the mandate presented to the Chief Justice and by him referred to the court is denied. The order heretofore entered by Chief Justice is vacated. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying that uh, they've denied 
Trump's request to prevent the House Ways and Means Committee from getting his tax records, and that the stay, while they were considering it, is also over. Now, this case has been making its way through the courts since way back in 2019, back when the Treasury Department refused to turn over Trump's taxes, arguing at that point in time that there was no valid purpose for the committee to obtain those records. Now, even according to NBC News, uh, certainly no conservative bastions of information dissemination, uh, the Ways and Means Committee Chair Representative Richard Neal had argued that the committee was in fact interested in the former president's taxes in order to decide whether tax law, as it pertains to presidents, should be changed. You see, U.S. law allows the committee to obtain the taxes of any person. The committee now has a tight window to receive that tax information from the Treasury Department, as it's unlikely that the House Republicans, who will be taking control in January, will allow the inquiry to continue. Why? Because they're not really trying to get it for any other reason than to just continue to play the game of, we're going to be the ones to get Trump. We're going to get Trump. Gonna get him. That's it. Donald John Trump, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. We're gonna get that guy. In a statement, Representative Neal said the said that the committee's ability to pursue Trump's taxes has been affirmed by the nation's highest court. Since the Magna Carta. The principle of oversight has been upheld, and today is no different. This raises above politics, and the committee will now conduct the oversight that we've sought for the last three and a half years. Yeah, we'll see how this story continues to play out. As you know, Donald Trump is not just going to hand this over. I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to avoid it. But if he can run out the clock till January, it's probably going to be over at that point. I'm just saying. Seems a bit politically exaggerated to say that since the Magna Carta, it's not oversight that you guys are looking for. I mean, seriously, Representative Neal, you're not looking to try to change tax law, how it applies to presidents. You're trying to go get Donald Trump any way you can. He's a political target for you. And in the world of political gamesmanship, you're just making it less likely that good people are ever going to want to run, let alone present themselves to the type of scrutiny that you want to put this at. Would you be so willing, Representative Neal, to have your tax information laid out for the whole world to see? Uh, especially, especially the tax records, not just of yours and your family members, but uh, some of your co-conspirators in the House of Representatives with a D at the end of their name, how many of their tax records should be laid out 
I mean, and I mean their true, full tax records, including the sections that are a little questionable, including the areas where when we start adding up, well, this is what you claimed you made, but this is what your worth is. How are you affording all the things that you're doing based on this level of income? I need an explanation. Oh, no, we can't do that. I guarantee you we're not going to hear that. What we will be hearing more and more about very soon, though, is the fact that, uh, and I've been blowing the alarm here, or excuse me, let me let me use the punt here. I've been blowing the whistle on this one for a bit. We now have official confirmation. President of one of the rail unions that has said we're not going to play the game here where the union's ready to just walk off. He's coming forward saying that he's now expecting Congress to get involved. He believes Congress is going to be necessary. The president of the nation's largest freight railway union is full-blown warning everyone that Congress will likely get involved in order to resolve disagreements between the employers and the union members in an attempt to avoid a strike. Now, the strike's going to be irrelevant if we run out of diesel fuel. Freight rail runs on diesel, boys and girls. It's just that simple. Anyway, Jeremy Ferguson, the smart transportation division president, talking to Politico uh, this past Monday night, said, quote, I'm hopeful, but I'm but I doubt it's really in the cards. I've got a lot of issues that are outstanding, that are reasons why our guys voted it down. See, Smart TD uh, said Monday that the uh, union's members had voted against a contract with freight railroads. The cooling off period that we heard so much about after the Biden administration got involved, that ends on December 4th. Now, they pushed it back to the 4th in hopes that they could not only get past the midterm elections, because they didn't want you feeling the kind of pain that happens when food doesn't get onto the grocery store shelves and when the department stores don't get the items that you're expecting, when there's nothing there for the still in-person Black Friday sales that some of you are still slavish, slavishly going to go participate in. Now, they wanted to push that off. Wanted to get it into December. Now, they had hoped to get past Christmas because they want you to spend the last of the few dollars you're going to have left in your pocket as a result of Biden inflation. They wanted you to go spend it all and get as far into debt as you possibly can before you realize that their plan was to pull the rug out from underneath you the whole time. But as far as they could manage to get this cooling off period that everybody would agree upon was December 4th. That means that the members have to continue working, according to the agreement, up until that day. But as of the 4th, if they haven't found some agreement, if they haven't found some common ground, if, if the employers at the rail lines, if management hasn't bowed to the wishes of the union, they're going to walk. Now, maybe this saves our reserves of diesel fuel a little longer. Maybe not. Either way, 
store shelves are going to start going empty. There's only so much stuff that's going to be left. Ferguson said, continuing here, that, quote, something's got to happen by then. Otherwise, we all walk. It's such a short time frame. I think we're going to see Congress panic and step in here at some point next week, unfortunately. Now, what is it exactly that he thinks Congress is going to do? I would love to know that. Even though eight unions have accepted the agreement, if one union decides to go on strike, all of them will join in, and they will honor the picket lines. The president of the Brotherhood of the Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen, one of the biggest rail unions, he said the same thing, saying that uh, the group will adhere to the December 5th strike date of the Brotherhood of Rail Signalmen. As of Monday, the Brotherhood of Rail Signalmen had not said if they would prolong the cooling-off period uh, or not. There's a really good chance that it may be somewhere around December 9th that they'll decide to go on strike if the earlier group doesn't go on strike sooner. The BLET president, Dennis Pierce, talking to CNBC, said that, quote, our members will certainly honor the picket lines of BRS. I think every union will. But, back to Ferguson, he believes that Congress will get involved before the deadlines. Congress could decide to put in place recommendations made by a board appointed by Joe Biden, prolong the cooling-off period, or enforce the union's provisional deals. He also is negotiating with rail carriers again on Tuesday with other unions that have rejected the provisional contract. So what are we really talking about here? We're talking about the railways being shut down. A railway strike would effectively bring hundreds of America's largest food, beverage, household and personal care manufacturer operations to a to a halt. It just bring everything to a standstill in a matter of days. Between important parts that you're getting or ingredients for food manufacturers, they'll run out. You Whatever you had on hand, no matter what you had ordered, no matter what you've already paid for, no matter what was already on its way, forget the previously existing supply chain issues. Now you've overcome getting your hands on the stuff by virtue of was it available, and now it's just sitting there waiting for you to figure out some other way to get to it. We're not talking about weeks. We're talking about days if this strike goes into effect. Days. On-shelf availability and accessibility will drop quickly because once this happens, people are going to finally realize, hey, that Tim guy was right. I know I'm not the only one trying to warn you about this, but there's not a lot of people trying to warn you about it. Panic will happen. If you're not already prepared, if you're not already ordering from My Patriot Supply, 
which there will be a link to in the show description for the podcast, by the way. And we'll be running an ad in the second hour here that starts in just a minute. But uh, if you're not already prepping, it's already too late at this point. You've only got a couple of weeks. You better hurry. I, You know, again, I'm trying to tell you enjoy your Thanksgiving, and then I'm giving you this gloom and doom. But you need to be prepared. I don't want you to be in a situation where you're part of the panic crowd who finds yourself facing angry mobs trying to get the last loaf of bread somewhere. For the love of all that's holy in heaven, please take steps to be ready. On-shelf availability and accessibility is going to go away. Zero. And it's going to be compounded by the inevitable panic buying. When people figure out that, oh, there's not any more coming, and we have no idea how long it's going to be before the rail lines are back, never mind the fact that we still have that underlying lack of diesel fuel that is also going to bring the trains to a near halt if these people do work through the issue. A work stoppage by the railways is going to impact traveling passengers. Since a lot of the passenger railroads run on uh, freight railroad tracks. Now, that's not going to affect nearly as many people, but it is another effect that not too many people have really talked about yet. The railroads could also decide to stop sending certain dangerous materials and perishable food items in advance if no agreements reached. You get really close to that cutoff time, they're going to say, well, we're not just going to have a train stops somewhere, and you find out that this is the deal. We're not going to run the risk of this just being stuck there. And that's actually smart. That would be the most responsible thing they could do. But the most responsible thing they could do is actually get together and work out this deal. And for the love of Pete, keep Joe Biden and Congress as far away from this as they possibly can. Sheesh, no good will come of that. No good at all. We saw what good it's already happened. We would have already had the strike before the midterms if there wasn't innovation. Some people are going to say, hey, well, that was a good thing, Tim. Well, it was a good thing for the Democrats. They didn't do anything to stop it. They just, same thing with Saudi Arabia. Uh, please, please, unions. The difference is the unions actually want Biden to be successful. Uh, please, just wait a little longer, please. Not, let's not do it. Let's not do what's right for the American people. Just just wait a little longer, because I'm really for you. Now let's reset the hour, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, go visit PatriotMusic.com. When you get a chance, you'll get to hear great tunes like this one right here. Stay with me. Hour number two comes up after this brief break. From a blue state plan Taught to praise the little man Told that unions saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, 
she was different in his eyes And had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say America, this is Ken Crow with Conservative Daily Briefing, and you are listening to Tim Tap Tap into the Truth. So, look, I'd be delighted uh, to codify what the president is doing, but here's the key. I don't have any doubt that the president has the legal authority to cancel this student loan debt. I don't have any doubt that the Constitution is something we completely and totally ignore. Uh, See, here's the thing. The courts disagree. Uh, There, Pocahontas, uh, the courts disagree. In fact, Joe Biden is starting to realize that he's probably not going to win in the courts. So rather than completely drop their attempts, at student debt cancellation, uh, Joe's decided, at least according to new reports, he's planning to extend the pause on federal student loan payments. Not just for now, but all the way through the summer of 2023. Yeah, the summer of 2020. There's a pause, boys and girls. We're not going to be able to cancel the debt, at least not yet. Now, there's still a chance that maybe we can find a a very lefty-friendly judge to hear our case and that the states and the other forces that are suing, trying to stop this, uh, maybe they won't be able to appeal it any higher. Maybe it won't end up in front of the Supreme Court. Maybe we can keep it with our friendly lefty judges and and then we can at least pretend like it's completely normal and certainly quasi-constitutional. But they're not betting on that anymore, especially since more people are filing more lawsuits and they're going to be going through different courts. Some of them not lefty activist judges, but actual constitutional judges. Oh, no, what a terrible thing if you're a Democrat trying to push your social freaking virtue signaling agenda. Anyway, the Department of Education will soon announce the extension of the freeze, at least according to a report that uh, is over on CNN. The first payments will be due two months after June 30th, unless the Supreme Court greenlights the administration's debt forgiveness program before that happens. A similar report from Bloomberg quoted multiple unnamed sources. Former President Donald John Trump. The orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the cool climate arsonist. He's the guy that actually introduced 
the pause on federal student loan payments. Did that all the way back in March of 2020. This was a relief measure during the lockdowns, uh, you know, the COVID-induced recession. Trump and Biden had previously extended the pause for a total of seven different times, implying that the upcoming freeze will mark the eighth such move. I don't know why you would even say that's an implication. It's clearly the eighth time. The previous extension of the pause on federal student loan payments, well, it was supposed to expire on December 31st. So they had to the very end of this year. But a number of reports had predicted that the White House would once again extend the freeze, which comes at a price tag of roughly $5 billion per month, at least according to an analysis from the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. You know, those guys, they're, they're a bunch of crazy number guys over there. I mean, you can't really trust them. They, they just know math. They don't know anything else, right? Right? Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Does anybody in D.C. even know what a budget is anymore? It's been so long since they passed one. Do they know what the word means? Somebody able to walk up with a, a dictionary and help explain it to them? I mean... The Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, they've got their hands full because they're trying to get people to do something that they haven't done in decades now. Well, we'll just pass a continuing resolution. That'll be fine. We'll pass an occasional omnibus package. That'll be fine. We don't need no stinking budget. Extending the pause through the end of 2024 would cost as much as $120 billion. That'd bring the total cost of the pauses altogether to $275 billion. $275 billion. Not coming in. During a recessionary period. Yeah, that's not going to make inflation worse. Not at all. That's not how... Economies work? Tim, what are you talking about? Two months ago, Biden asserted during an interview that the pandemic is over. You guys remember that, right? I remember. Pretty sure Biden's handlers were not happy that he used that phrasing. That, that, that's not what was in the notes, Mr. Biden, sir. I doubt his handlers are actually calling him Mr. President. I just, I, it just doesn't seem like something. That, they don't seem to respect him on anything else. I don't know why they would do that. But uh, he said it. Maybe the one true thing that Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. has said in the last 30, 40 years. The pandemic is over. Caught more than a few federal health officials by surprise because they were still expecting, you know, mandates to continue and uh, all this other thing that their power and their authority kind of goes away if the emergency goes away. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Again, this is quoting Joe. Everybody seems to be in a pretty good shape. So I think it's changing. 
And I think it's a perfect example of it. Mumble, mumble, where's my pudding? Now, the student debt cancellation policy, which would eliminate $10,000 in student debt for borrowers earning less than $125,000 a year and $20,000 for borrowers who use Pell Grants, is currently moving through the court system. The program is now on hold after a ruling from the Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit. That ruling granted standing to a lawsuit from multiple Republican states' attorneys generals who contend that the White House illegally bypassed Congress while drafting the policy. Uh, they contend that to be the case because that's clearly the case. It's open and shut on that. Solicitor General Elizabeth Perlager uh, asked that the Supreme Court last week uh, to rule on whether student debt cancellation can continue. The Eighth Circuit's erroneous injunction leaves millions of economically vulnerable borrowers in limbo, uncertain about the size of their debt, and unable to make financial decisions with an accurate understanding of the future repayment obligations. Uh, yes, Elizabeth, all that is true, but that's uncertainty that was created by your administration. Now, you can make the argument that technically it first started under the previous administration because it was that guy, you know, the orange man who's bad. Uh, he goes around kicking puppies, occasionally eats a baby, sets the climate on fire. Uh, that guy, you know, he was the first person to put a pause on it. I don't think he intended for this to go on forever. Whereas the current guy and whoever's pulling his marionette strings certainly would like for it to go on forever. They know the size of their debt, Elizabeth. They took out the loans. They know the size of the debt. They're not able to make financial decisions with an accurate understanding of the future repayment obligations. Hey, welcome to the club because nobody that was actually living paycheck to paycheck, has any idea what their repayment obligations are going to be because they've got to make do with uh, trying to meet the same obligations they had before Biden, only they're paying three and four times as much for gasoline. And they're paying anywhere from 10 to 50% more in their grocery bills for the same stuff they were getting before. So guess what? I think those guys you're looking to try and protect are still in much better position than the rest of America, which is supposed to be your first concern, Elizabeth. Supposed to be the first concern for a cool lunch pail Joe with his aviator glasses, looking cool but sounding like mush map. This is I can't be sure about that. And uh, Xi Jinping and. and and let me sniff your hair, little girl. It's the only thing that comes through clear, isn't it? Well, Hunter Biden, that's just a conspiracy theory. It's been debunked. Mooga Maga Republicans, bad, bad Mooga Magas. Mega Mooga Magas. Beware. Trump bad. Trump, Trump bad. Fire bad. Trump bad. Where's my pudding? Now, that's literally a preview of his next speech. I, 
got an early draft here. Uh, there's leakers in the Biden administration now. They want rid of the guy. I, I obviously am exaggerating when I say that. That is not a true statement. It was a lame attempt at a joke. <sighs> to have the Solicitor General making this argument in front of the court is almost as ridiculous as the fact that the court has to hear it. The Department of Education has nevertheless started informing borrowers that they have been approved for debt cancellation. They have. They're mad right now that the courts have told them that they have to stop taking applications, that they have to stop telling people that have not already been approved that they may be approved. The Department of Education is informing borrowers that they have been approved for the debt cancellation. Some applicants received an email from Education Secretary Miguel Cardona saying that they were eligible for the loan relief after a review of their submission, saying, quote, we have sent this approval on to your loan servicer. You do not need to take any further action. Well, there's one other action you'll need to take. Pay attention to the court cases as they move forward because that reduction that they're going to try to tell you that forgiveness of that dollar amount of your loan, it's going to return. And you actually better hope that it returns quickly because several states have already made it clear that they're going to tax that as income. And here's the funny thing about that. If it takes a while and they're they're allowed to do this to you and and it is completely legal for these states to tax that as income, you end up paying taxes on this money that's not your money to begin with. It is still being paid. All debts are paid, either by you or the person that issued the loan. Somebody ends up paying it. All debts are paid, period. There are no exceptions to that. If you're not the one paying it, somebody else did. And in this case, it's the taxpaying citizens of the United States. Not just in your home state, but all across the freaking country and the territories. If you end up having to have your taxes, your personal taxes, affected in some way by virtue of receiving this credit to your debt, and then later on, the courts do find that this is every bit as unconstitutional as it actually is, I do not understand any way that this is not found to be unconstitutional and get struck down because Congress is the one that's going to have to do this for you, boys and girls. If you got the student debt and you want it forgiven, you want the government to pony up taxpayer dollars, then it's going to have to be the Congress that does it for you. The president can't. Even Nancy Pelosi has told you that. He just can't do it. That's not even a discussion. There is no constitutional grounds. There's no legal precedent. In fact, even the idea, the notion that somehow that even under emergency circumstances, they had the authority to put a payment freeze in place is dubious at best. There's no constitutional power for that either.
None. Nada. But everybody's just allowed it because nobody wants to be the bad guy that says, well, nope, uh, you know, they're in the middle of an artificial shutdown where some of you weren't able to, to go out and get your money. Uh, you, we're still going to need you to pay this. Nobody wants to be that bad guy. But at some point, somebody is going to be a bad guy. Uh, the one thing that politicians are going to do more than to try to get reelected is to try to get all the money they can. They're not going to mess around. They get a chance to tax you. They're going to. Once you pay that tax in, and then all of a sudden that debt returns to your account, and you're going to have to pay it, you're not going to get those tax dollars back. You can apply for it. You can claim to get the refund. But do you have any idea how many hoops you're going to have to jump? You're going to be punished for your effort to try to get that refund. Now, some of you, and God bless you if you do it, some of you are going to fight all the way through and you'll end up getting that refund. You just might. Most of you will not because most of you are either going to run out of time, patience, or money to continue to fight them. In fact, it may cost you more to litigate it than what the refund would be. And again, something the left understands very well, sometimes the process is the punishment. That's a phrase you're hearing a lot more frequently recently. It's because it's true. That is how the left behaves. The process is the punishment. They know they're never going to get you uh, at the end of the battling. So they punish you by making you continue to have to fight. Now, the student loan cancellation policy garnered a lot of controversy, even among allies of the White House. Multiple swing state Democratic candidates tried distancing themselves from the move during the recent midterm elections. Even Lawrence Summers, an economist who served under the Obama and Clinton administrations, just flat out said that the policy consumes resources that could be better used helping those who did not, for whatever reason, have the chance to attend the college. You're helping the wrong people. They're barely there, Beijing Biden. Cool Joe, aviator Joe, lunch pail Joe. You're helping the wrong folks. <laughs> but you're not really helping anybody. And that's the point. You're claiming to be trying to help one group of people, people that need that help less than a large swath of people that tend to continue to vote for you because they're still hoping beyond hope that your words mean something. They're still hoping beyond hope that at least two out of the whatever number of total Democrats currently elected happens to be, since we still don't have finalized counts in some of these races, even now we are two weeks past election day. And some of these folks are still counting. And if you're living currently in a state where that's going on, if you're living currently in a county where that's going on, if you allow this to become your normal, you should have your voting rights taken away. This should not be acceptable. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. I don't care if you're freaking independent right down the middle. I don't care. If you're somebody who's only voted one time in your whole life and still don't know what your political philosophy is, if you allow this, if you do not do, 
every legal thing that you can do to get this fixed, then you do not deserve the right to vote. Step it up, clean it up, fix it. When you have people when you have these folks stepping up and telling you point blank, people that are on your team that what you're doing is dumb, that what you're doing is bad, what you're doing is going to hurt people and you still want to do it anyway that's just you being too stubborn I mean, let's go Brandon, right? Let's go Brandon. All right, let's go ahead and take that mid-hour break a little early so that I can get the next big story in, and then I'll see, because there's a couple of other little quick hitters I'm going to try to sneak in. I'm doubting I'm going to get all of it, but I'm going to give it a shot. But before I do that, let's... Uh, Let's do this. Let's do that uh, mid-hour bit, because, you know, that's what we do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, stay right where you're at. I'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. politicians have and continue to destroy our republic at every possible level. When I hear certain individuals saying that we should forgive them, it's cringeworthy. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, in a caustically naive or intentionally planted article in the leftist Atlantic by Brown University economists about their pandemic, brutal lockdowns, and the response they demanded from we the people, amounted to the literal sacrifice of our exceptional nation way of life. Many sovereign Americans died cruel deaths because they allegedly were denied good solutions, like, for example, hydroxychloroquine, the same ingredient most members of Congress were provided. Mm. Many non-congressional patients were given rindisivir, which is known to destroy the liver, etc., Yet Emily Ulster, a Brown University economist, is calling for forgiveness of government officials and medical professionals who wanted everyone born in this country to receive the jab, while not requiring the illegal border crossers they led into the republic to get jabbed. The logical question is, how can officials be forgiven when they refuse to admit they were wrong and have not faced justice for what they have done to we the people. I'm Ron Edwards. Go to theronedwards.com to check out the Ron Edwards American Experience Talk Show. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition.
Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning Homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. We're here today at the Whiskey House in the Gaslamp District of San Diego, where they hold the Guinness World Record for the most whiskeys in a bar, with over 3,700 whiskeys for you to choose from. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hi, I'm My Patriot Supply. I provide gear and supplies for emergency situations. Hi, I am also a fellow patriot. Whoa, what are you doing here? This is my commercial. Yeah, I just thought I'd join you since I pretty much do the same thing. Ah, uh, actually, we are very different, but I did notice that you use a similar name. Oh, yeah, thanks for that. See, we're the same. Like I was saying, we are an emergency supply company, and we've earned our reputation as a respected leader when it comes to preparedness and self-reliance. Our meals are freshly produced and delivered right to your door. And they last up to 25 years. Oh, yeah, this is great stuff. You're still here, aren't you? Yep. Mine is kind of the same. <sighs> okay, so can you deliver quickly? Well, not everyone can deliver with lightning speed. What does it matter? In the end, you'll eventually have it. And it can feed your family in times like hurricanes, earthquakes, power outages, Whoa, and... Whoa, it's all very scary. But not quite as scary as your calorie count, right? For emergencies. People are desperate at that point. Exactly. That's when they need it the most. All of our meals are made with quality food and have 2,000 calories per day. Murder hornets are on the rise. This is serious. Everyone stay inside. Buy food storage. We don't use scare tactics. <laughs> we don't outsource. We take pride in the quality of our food. And we're there for you when you need us the most. You okay there, buddy? Yeah. Okay. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed taking care of business. And speaking of business, do you know who you're in business with? Do you know 
who you trust to handle your financial transactions, what they're really up to with the, the profitability that they have. Canadian Financial Corporation, TD Bank, for example. If you're not aware, let me make you aware of something that has come to light recently. TD Bank has very quietly, very shh on the DL, we want a virtue signal without actually signaling it because this is something that maybe there could be, some, you know, pushback on. TD Bank has very quietly donated half a million dollars to a program earlier this year that conducts so-called gender-affirming irreversible procedures on minors. So the actual gender-denying, as opposed to gender-affirming uh, procedures, we're talking about surgical mutilations, we're talking about chemical castrations, we're talking about the whole litany here. According to a May 2022 newsletter, the financial institution funded $500,000 through Canada's Children's Hospital Foundations to support gender transitions through the uh, McMaster's Pediatric Gender Diversity Program. Now, why do you have such a thing as a pediatric gender diversity program in the first place? And just one of many questions I would like answered, but that's not what we're talking about at this point in time. We know this is something that's not just happening in Canada. So not just looking to point our finger there. But uh, anyway, just so that you know, the McMaster Pediatric Gender Diversity Program provides medical and mental health services for trans and gender diverse youth. They do so at the McMaster Children's Hospital in Hamblin, Ontario. Now, I really love the fact that we have yet a new phrase that we're going to going to have to remember that we're going to hear more and more frequently in the future uh, we no longer have to worry about trans youth now we have to be also equally concerned about gender diverse youth uh, what exactly does gender diverse youth mean that uh, oh, I'm, I'm more than one gender at a time uh, i'm is this the new speak for the old gender fluid? Ooh, we don't want to say fluid because that sounds less serious. It also sounds kind of creepy, but I don't think that gender diverse sounds much better. But it does fit more with the left's lexicon of word usage. So maybe it just tests better in the focus groups. I don't know. Sarah Coley, Community Relations Manager for TD Bank, said, quote, We are aware that adolescence, physical and mental health remains a pressing issue. Just, just ever so pressing. That's why, still quoting now, that's why we are so pleased to provide support to the McMaster Pediatric Sorry, I had a cough uh, sneak up on me. Where was I? Oh, yes. We are pleased to provide support to the McMaster Pediatric Gender Diversity Program through the TD Ready 
commitment. Ready? Commitment? Guys, seriously. What are you ready to commit to? Just, just commitment itself? We're ready to be committed. We are totally committed to commitment. I guess. I, I don't understand. Anyway, current laws do not have an age of consent required for gender reassignment surgery in Canada, at least according to a report by True North. <clears throat> no reason to believe that they're wrong on that. Quoting here from Canadian Mental Health Association, they said, quote, There is no general age of consent to treatment or counseling. I have to be counseled. Counseled. Counsel. Counsel me. I need counseling. I need your help. Talk to me. Lead me. Treat me through our counseling sessions. Yes, there's no general age of consent. Instead, the issue depends on whether the young person is capable of consenting. Now, what? The issue? It depends on whether or not the young person's capable. Uh, you are old enough to say the words, and you do not have a speech impediment. Or, at the very least, perhaps you mute, but you can use sign language to consent. I can write your consent. What, what do you mean capable of consenting? I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to need some definitions here, guys, because you're supposed to be mental health professionals. Granted, you're in Canada. And under Trudeau, uh, these definitions have gotten even fuzzier than they are here in the States. I, I get it. And that's not entirely your fault, I suppose. But what does that mean? Some clarification, please. No general age of consent, but uh, the issue really depends on whether the young person's capable. If you're over five, technically you're capable of consenting, but there still should be a legal limit. Because at five years old, you can't make that decision. At seven, you can't make that. At 15, you shouldn't be making that decision. In a True North op-ed, Aaron Kimberly, a transsexual man and mental health nurse. Hmm. Just going to let that sink in for a minute. Uh, Aaron wrote that misinformation drives transgender people into transition. What? Are you serious? Um, hey. You might be on to something here. Misinformation is driving these people into transitioning. Okay. Quoting here. You would think that today's gender revolution would make things easier on kids like me, who are now often identified as trans. In fact, I did transition when I was 33, and though it did help me feel more congruent, that decision was largely based on misinformation. This is quoting from the op-ed from Kimberly. Uh, Aaron Kimberly. According to the website, the program, quote, aims to provide medical and 
mental health services to trans and gender diverse youth as part of a comprehensive program that includes adolescent medicine and endocrinology. This is a practice that transgender individuals require to administer hormone treatments. You know, things like puberty blockers and testosterone injections. Uh, you know, things like that. The chemical castration part of the equation, as opposed to the surgical mutilation part. Other services include, however, complete medical referrals and legal referrals such as changing gender markers and a person's legal name on identification. Now, gender markers, do you mean things like breasts, like penises? Are, are these the gender markers you're talking about? Again, you're vaguing it up on purpose so people don't really understand the first part was the chemical castration. This is the surgical mutilation part here, boys and girls. Now, TD Bank, one of the 10 largest banks in the United States, but still based in Canada, essentially, headquartered there. They established this little program that they're giving this money away all the way back in 2016 when the demand for transitioning children hadn't exactly reached the levels that we see today. So they were ahead of the curve. I mean, they were trying to help make this happen before anybody had a chance to even know it was a thing. Program officials, however, they say that when COVID-19 pandemic hit the uh, 2020s, it began receiving three to four weekly referrals. Uh, the numbers started going up. So suddenly... Suddenly, when people were spending even more time on social media and less time interacting in person and going to school and, you know, all those other things that were stuck at home during lockdowns, all of a sudden there was a greater increase in the number of teens that were seeking to transition. That seems odd timing, doesn't it? If you're talking about a social contagion and these people are spending more time simply socializing online. Hmm. Anyway, funds for the program will provide so-called care to 30 children under the age of 18 to undergo, again, gender-affirming, air quotes firmly in use, uh, undergo these gender-affirming services every year, 30 kids a year, adding to the 60 to 70 minors the program treats yearly. So, what are we really talking about here? The number of minors seeking out these services has reached approximately 150 that's on the wait list. 150 minors who reportedly have to wait an estimated time of 24 months to receive an initial assessment. We're talking about a program that's been established by a bank that's 
trying to help bankroll these transitions is something that is clearly, based on these numbers alone, a social contagion. I mean, you can keep arguing from the point standpoint of the left that, oh no, this is just uh, young people being their authentic selves. But if that was the case, it wouldn't be such a random huge spike. Anyway, a Dr. Roisin Grady, a pediatrician and adolescent medicine specialist at the Children's Hospital, they said in a newsletter that she had encountered a parent whose child was drowning in depression, quoting there, before finding the program. So the doctor was talking to the parent, and the parent saying that the kid is all depressed. Now, Grady's statement there shows that the child entered the program as male and left as female. Quoting Grady here again, they realized they have a daughter now, and they're grateful for the resources and the support that the program provided them. It can be so rewarding to hear that. See, Grady believes that intervening in the lives of gender-diverse adolescents could, quote, help support youth to be their healthiest selves. Never mind the fact that, as we've already seen by someone who underwent the transition, that you're actually providing a lot of misinformation. Let's call that what it is. A lot of lies. You're lying to the kids. I'm once again going to remind you, if you are a medical professional, there was a time when the Hippocratic Oath actually meant something. I know a lot of you don't even take the Hippocratic Oath anymore. And that's probably the only reason you guys can continue to do what you do. Because if you actually took an oath and believed in that oath, that essentially starts with the primary focus on first and foremost, do no harm, you couldn't be doing these things. You wouldn't even be doing these things to the adults that come looking for the service, let alone children. I know there's no 16 or 17-year-old out there that wants to be called a child, but again, you are. Unfortunately, if you're looking at just pure maturity levels, there's several 24 or 25-year-olds out there that are still children based on their maturity levels. We don't have the same expectations we once had. But you're still <clears throat> not even considered an adult legally till you hit 18. By then, presumably, you're already past puberty, a little late for puberty blockers. But see, that's the thing about gender dysphoria, which presumably if you're a gender-diverse person, if you actually have gender dysphoria, not just some social contagion trending trans, uh, trans mindset, but actually have gender dysphoria, you'll probably outgrow it before you turn 18. That's based on statistics. That's based on facts. Information on the ground. The overwhelming majority of individuals that suffer from gender dysphoria outgrow the gender dysphoria 
without any other outside intervention, especially surgical mutilations and chemical castrations. They're not necessary. Cheetah, why do you keep using that same framework? Why do you keep using those words? We're getting tired of hearing you repeat those words. Sorry, repetition. Two, two purposes. Number one, there's always the possibility of a brand new listener each and every time out. And beyond that, there's also the point of driving home the point that this is the case. Abortion is actually the murder of pre-born baby humans. Gender denying care that they call gender affirming care is nothing more than chemical castrations and surgical mutilations. That's what these things are. And as an adult, if you want to pursue that, then Again, I wouldn't recommend it. All the data, all the stories that come from folks who've transitioned and don't commit suicide within a few years typically come back with stories of regret. So I wouldn't recommend it. It's not a good idea. But as an adult, you do you. Okay? But again, the rest of us as adults, we're supposed to be protecting the kids from things that are going to be potentially harmful. We're supposed to be doing our best. We're not supposed to sit back and say, oh, well, you know, not my kid, not my problem. A lot of us will. A lot of us do. A lot of us, especially if we have children, we have to kind of decide, eh, I'm going to watch out for my kid a little more than yours. But we're supposed to be looking out for all of them as best we can. I mean, just as a... That's a human being from the standpoint of the propagation of the species. We're supposed to be trying to protect them and let them be healthy. We should be making an effort to let kids be kids. Stop taking them to the drag shows. Stop taking them to drag queen story hour. Let's let the children be children, which also unfortunately means stop letting them watch the Disney Channel and stop letting them watch Nickelodeon for that matter. They, Got so much of that crap. In fact, stop letting them watch TV, period. It's gotten too much. Take their phones away. Take their screen time away. Make them go outside and play in the freaking dirt. They'll be healthier. They'll be happier. And they won't be so freaking confused. Protect them from the online predators and protect them from the folks that are out there that, even though they don't like the word, I'm going to use it, the groomers. Move. All right, let's see if I can sneak both these uh, quick stories in. <laughs> um, I'm probably only going to do one of them, but here we go. Headline you might have missed. A lesbian writer says that she could not find not one single truly, that's an important qualifying word there, truly transphobic message from J.K. Rowling. So she refuses to write a hit piece against her, and I have to applaud that. Congratulations. So the story is that a freelance writer was assigned to write a hit piece against J.K. Rowling. But after researching the controversy over the author's purportedly transphobic tweets, she ended up coming out and supporting J.K. So we're talking about a freelance writer by the name of E.J. Rosetta. So E.J., good for you. Good for you. Good job. I am, I am proud of you. I am. Now, EJ, if I may call you that, I doubt that she'll ever hear this, but uh, 
you know, if any of you know E.J. Rossetta, you can tell her that I said congratulations on a good thing. Uh, she describes herself as a lesbian writer. That's her words. And has bylines in various LGBT and other left-wing publications. She was asked to write an article about the famed children's book author, you know, supposed to be writing about J.K. Rowling's transphobic statements. But after several months of research, and she really tried to find something, months of research, reading her work, Rosetta came up to the realization that she shared Rowling's positions about the importance of protecting women's sex-based rights and took to Twitter to share her revelation. Of course, now she risked the possibility of becoming canceled herself, because as we have seen, the woke mob, they take no prisoners, and as soon as you disagree with them at all, well, then you must also be forced off the reservation. But uh, Rosetta's little tweet thread, it started out saying, quote, Right, I'm done. Three months ago, I was tasked with writing an article detailing 20 transphobic J.K. Rowling's quotes we're done with. After 12 weeks of reading her books, tweets, full essays, and finding the context of these quotes, I've not found a single truly transphobic message. That's pretty definitive. Now, Rosetta, she's a London-based freelancer. She said that she peaked during her three months of decidedly dictated, dedicated research into the debate between those advocating for and against the inclusion of biological men into women's protected spaces. Quoting here, in many cases, one group's rights are being sacrificed for the other, with the most vulnerable women often paying the price. Here in Britain, we always want to support both sides, but realize that in some cases, like domestic violence shelters, for example, that's impossible. It's a good tweet. It makes sense. It actually using using logic. I, I can dig it. Rosetta found a new appreciation for Rawlings, actually, who she said has been unfairly labeled as an intolerant transphobe for standing up for women. Quoting again, J.K. saw the loopholes being created, and knew that women needed a voice. So instead of setting back and wishing everyone well, she said, it's got to be me, hasn't it? She did something terrifying and amazing and used her voice. I support knowing damn well what was to come. That's bravery. Now, some commentators applauded Rosetta for her own bravery and warned that she would face an onslaught of vitriol from 
the activist, which I think is a given at this point. But Rosetta said, much to her credit, that she has been ignoring frantic phone calls from her agent demanding that she take the post down. She said no. It's too late anyway. Never apologize. Rosetta has bylines in a lot of these pro-LGBT publications. Places like Curve, US, Diva, Pink News, G3. It literally has a weekly column with When Sally Met Sally, the UK version, and the Huffington Post. So it's not like she's new to the scene. And it's also not like she didn't know exactly what she was going to be doing when she went out on this limb. When a comment when a commenter asked if she was concerned that she may be dropped from some of these pro-trans outlets that she writes for, Rosetta indicated at that point that severing ties with them would be an unintended benefit. When asked what prevented her from coming to this realization sooner, Rosetta answered that uh, groupthink played a role in suppressing her critical uh, faculties. She admitted that a lot of these folks get caught up in the groupthink, and they're not thinking critically. They're not thinking for themselves. She was candid about it. So again, I, I don't think I can applaud this, uh, this person enough. Quoting here, groupthink, brainwashing and listening unquestioningly to the voices of my LGBT peers over critical thought and doing my own research and my own thinking. Five years I was spent nodding along while JK was buried, and for that I apologize. I'm glad to report I'm thinking for myself again now. Rosetta then admonished those who she now believes are responsible for, quote, chunking out clickbait and stirring up hate. Shame on those who followed that propaganda without critical thought. You're burning the wrong witch. I stand with J.K. Rowling. So, again, Rosetta, I applaud you. Congratulations. And I hope maybe you will help lead a few more folks into, if nothing else, thinking for themselves. Because, after all, I don't ask you to think like me. I just ask you to think. All right, one more little quick hit. And we'll pass it along because it's really not much to it anyway. I could go on and on, and we'll probably revisit this anyway. But uh, incoming House Majority Leader, Speaker of the House, soon to be, but currently House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, he said uh, this past Tuesday that the incoming GOP House Majority will investigate and potentially impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over his handling of the U.S. southern border. McCarthy made this pledge in a press conference after leading a contingent of Republican House members in a visit to the U.S. southern border near El Paso, Texas. Well, 
Again, we've already heard that he's coming after Ilhan Omar. We talked about that the last broadcast. I really hope that he lives up to all this big talk. Time will tell. We will see. Uh, my fingers are crossed. I hope that he does it. We need a little more action, but we also need to make sure that the agenda is clear. And the agenda is to serve the American people, not to play partisan political games. That's that's not the agenda, or it, it shouldn't be the agenda. I'll just say that. That's going to have to be it for me tonight. And remember, this is our last time getting together before Thanksgiving. So if you are anywhere in the world that celebrates Thanksgiving and you happen to be someone that does celebrate it, have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time. I hope you uh, I hope you receive many blessings. If you're somebody that doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving and you're some part of the world that doesn't even recognize it, I still wish you well, and I wish you the same regardless. That's going to be it. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. See you guys Friday. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Join me live Friday night, WCETFM. TheLastFrequency.com and TuneIn.com at the Veronet. Go to me, we join the Last Frequency chat room and be part of the show.
is using both hands. Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.